Good morning. I hope nobody had flights this morning. Uh, quite delay on the uh, on the flight schedule. Not really looking at the affecting the airlines that much. We'll take a look at the airlines. Uh, S&P uh, fought the Bears yesterday. Posted a new high, high close for the rebound. Uh, we'll see what happens today. Got the big CPI number. Uh, we got some ratings changes. Uh, Bank America fighting back on Coinbase up yesterday, down a little bit today. We'll see how that plays out. We got Mish Schneider coming on at eight thirty-five, and uh, Mish is gonna gonna talk to us about her outlook for two thousand twenty-three. So we're looking forward to that, and uh, we'll cover the issues of your choice. A little meme stock talk for you meme stock traders out there. But uh, Mitch, let's give the crowd what they want. Pre. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders, investors. Uh, let's take a look at the market. Up 10 and a quarter handles at 39.51. Uh, we didn't set a new high for the move, but we did improve on the high close for the move by about 35 handles. So the bulls are back in town after that uh, Monday decline or late day decline. Uh, the buck up 20 cents at uh, 103.18. Uh, working on an inside day on an inside day. That's pretty unusual. Uh, the bonds, they're up almost a, a little over half a point, 128 and 26, 30 seconds. Uh, crude, this is a period of low volatility in crude, up 50 cents at 75.62. Gold, trying to get through 1900, current high 1890.90, up 460 at 1881.10. Silver, finding sellers at 24 and above 24. It's still up 26 and a half cents. 2394 and Bitcoin moseying its way up through the 17,000 handle. It's down 85 bucks today at 17,450. Uh, let's bring in Triple D and Money Mitch. And uh, not a super crazy news morning, Triple D, but uh, there's a little bit of action out there for you. Oh, yeah. Meme stocks starting to get some life mm -hmm. there. We saw it happen yesterday. GameStop was leading the charge yesterday, um, and then Bed Bath & Beyond took over after hours. Bed Bath & Beyond was squeezing a little bit earlier, but what was the catalyst for Bed Bath & Beyond to do this little short squeeze? They started talking about it on Fast Money. So mm -hmm. it, it had traded up. To your point, it traded up on the GameStop a little bit in, in, uh, in the regular session, but it was doing nothing after hours. If you look at the after hours chart, and we can bring it up there, Joel, I'm uh, maybe mm -hmm. just point out the action for about two hours after hours actually was trading right down, here. but you will see it get kickstarted right at six o'clock. And what happened? Well, at five fifty nine, they talked it on CNBC or five fifty seven, maybe just towards the end right of there? CNBC. They talked yep. it. Um, are you pointing out the right spot there? No, no. Go oh, that's go six a.m. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. go to six p.m. Eighteen hundred. You're looking at. I, see I, it right I, there. Eighteen hundred. Right here. Yeah, yep. right. So so point right on. Put your arrow right on the 1800 spot. So you can see right where they started talking about it. It wasn't doing anything. But then they had an options person and the, their options person come on and said, oh, they saw some options action in here. That saw it could go up another 10%. And then Karen Feinerman 
got behind it and just said, I would not be short this. This is the kind of stock that could squeeze. As soon as she said that, they started buying the stock. And within the next 20 minutes, the uh-huh. thing was up the 10% that they were looking for. And then and then it just kept going. So, you know, Reddit just wanted some food. And it, all it takes sometimes is, you know, CNBC's voice to really kickstart something. And that's what really kickstarted the Bed Bath & Beyond. It was Karen Feinerman. And it was also obviously the options action person. Not that they were trying to do that. I don't think either of them had positions in it. They were just mentioning it as the possibility for a short squeeze. And that's all it took. And boom, the Reddit and the and the memesters and the social media, you know, traders that like to squeeze them all. They're like, we're all over this. We're on it. And they started buying. The algos started buying too. And the algos started getting in there. And there you are. Bed Bath & Beyond is your big winner of the day. Despite all this news, Mitch, which we could talk about right now. Despite all this news, the stock is up 22%. I don't know how long it lasts, but definitely kickstarted by Miss Karen Feinerman. Bed Bath & Beyond, of course, has begun its latest rounds of layoffs as, flight, uh, as it fights to stay in business, according to a memo sent to employees Tuesday that was obtained by CNBC. We'll see what happens there in Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if it's able to hang on to this short squeeze, but... Like always, traders, you guys make your own investment decisions. I'm, and again, I I was trading it a little bit here, but um, I traded it. What I did was actually, I was like, oh, I'll buy a little bit of this. You know, if it's going to start, I could see it start lifting after hours after Karen Feiner was talking about it. So I bought a little bit of it. And then it was so thick. I was like, I don't want to even be bothered with this. So I just turned around and sold it. And I looked back at it 10 minutes later. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like the trade of the night if you just were to load that thing up. Again, I'm already out of it, so I'll freely talk about it here. But, you know, you've got to respect the voices on CNBC can be very influential at times. 300,000 people watch that show on any given night. A lot of them, you know, maybe on Reddit, maybe on the memesters. The algos watch it too. And, you know, that's what kickstarted it. So it's got a little meme stock rally going overall here. Like to your point, Joel, GameStop was kind of squeezing yeah. a little bit yesterday. You guys, I know, talked about it on your after hours show. Yeah. Um, I traded a little bit there after hours. I'm out of it now. Um, I've, I'm, I've traded a couple of these things, just, you know, short term trades. But, you know, the squeeze is on a few of these names. I'm not sure how long it continues. Sometimes it lasts a couple of days, sometimes it only lasts. You know, tell them oh, stocks open. So we will see. But B, if you're trading any of those high short interest names, it's BBBY and GME that will be your leaders today. If they start rolling over, I, w- I would be hitting the exits. Yeah, it's certainly not the reaction that we've got before, right? And these kind of moves, right? It's kind of uh, the effect. Well, now you have the uh, bankruptcy news, but uh, you can look at the charts on uh, on these. They're, they are starting to come back. They are having some moves. As always, I'm not going to give any specific levels on these, but uh, look through, follow through, through the uh, through the pre-market high. And I we haven't – what are some of the other ones that, that – um, that uh wasn't there one with a k or something in it that used to used to go with well, amc so, AMC. so your big guns were always gamestop bed bath and beyond at amc but then it goes in all those high short interest names uh-huh. you know which which haven't really been kickstarted here yet um you know some of them maybe maybe rallied a little bit there yesterday on the gamestop but it's usually those three and then there's a whole pile of them. So, and we talk about this. Seems like once a quarter, these things Gosh. get a day or two of good trading opportunities there. But the problem is, if you get stuck with them, they just turn around and eventually go lower. Remember, we did that exercise a month and a half ago, saying if you hold these things, 
you're very likely to lose money if you hold these things. These are like day trading vehicles, maybe short-term trades, but all of these companies have really struggled here. So the ones who are hodling these things, I've lost a lot of money. Pump and dumps. Let's just be and honest. They, and they have them. <laughs> Let's I just mean, be honest. They like, get pumped keep on it Reddit. Simple, they team. get pumped on these social media things. And like we continue they get to warn you. pumped on CNBC. If you were yeah. buying and pumped off CNBC last, not that they're, but they're, you know, just they're talking, I mean, Dennis, you know, maybe they, they might not have position, but they still pumped it. They definitely gave it a pump last night. I mean, just that's talking, a pump. Just talking stock. That's a pump and dump. I don't care well, what you want to call it, man. It's a that's pump. A, the dump hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> the the stock's coming. still going up. Bed, bath, it's backing up the truck. That's all it is. Beep, yeah. beep, Again, beep. Uh, Karen Feinerman, I wanted to say clearly, Karen Feinerman probably yeah, didn't it, have any position in this whatsoever. I think she said that. So. The options person who came on probably didn't have any position in this, you know, so there's no pump and dump thing, nothing like that here. They're just, all they were doing was outlining that there was a potential for a shirt squeeze here. That was enough to kickstart the Redsters and what can we call them? The Redsters, the Redditsters and all the other memesters out there. And so these stocks have life for a day or two. Do I think yeah. Bed Bath Beyond is going back to 10, 20, $30? I do not. I think the rug gets pulled here eventually. I don't know where. We said this on our show yesterday. You know, we were talking. These are like, we don't know the path to get there. But I'm like, I don't short stocks that are two bucks because, or a dollar fifty because, you know, the risk of something like this happening is for real. Even a stock goes mm-hmm. bankrupt. Sometimes they don't go down when they're, you know, when they're under five bucks. They're just not good short. There's too much risk on the short side when they're under five bucks. What about uh, Build a Bear? How's that doing? Well, that thing oh, still keeps Lord. going, That's but that makes thing. money, Joel. I think that <laughs> makes money. So that isn't even in this, you know, and I think it was in this group for a little bit there, but this kind of stock, I told you, I did that dolphin, <laughs> build a dolphin. It was 45 Build bucks. a dolphin. It cost, it was, my daughter was in this like a half an hour. It cost $45. Tell me they didn't make some money on that. I bet they made 30 bucks on that. You know, obviously you got, you know, you're a little bit labor intensive because there's a person walking and holding her hand through the whole process, but. Come on, there's like two bucks worth of stuffing in here and two bucks worth of material, and you charge forty five dollars. So they sell ten bears a day, Joel. They make money. They're doing good. They're doing good. That's actually the business is. You know, maybe that was the. the, the, (laughs) You you think that's a crazy business? I mean, they've been around a long time, and I think they do make money. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not a hundred percent. I didn't look it up, but yeah, yeah, Florida, um, Florida says BW makes money. I think they do too. Yeah, that had a bad day on Monday. Recovered a little bit yesterday, but all right, that's enough. Uh, that's enough, enough of those stocks. Yeah, that's enough for today. Yeah, I'm, I, even I'm feeling like, what? What are you guys talking about, guys? I'm over this stuff. <laughs> there are the opportunities to day trade these things again. I'm going to give the one. Yeah, day when trade. You see this day happening. Trades, I want to eyes. warn people that the rug gets pulled on these very quickly. quickly. And if you are trading them, keep BBBY on your screen. Keep GME on GME on your screen. Keep AMC on your screen. They're typically the leaders. But be careful when you're trading this stuff. You know, it's fun to trade this stuff. Yes, you can get it in and out of it. I don't have any of those stocks, so I can freely talk about all three of those. Um, and, and again, I had I had I actually had some GME before the show started, and I was like, I'm gonna sell the GME just so I can talk about it on the show. <laughs> so and I did. Um, but I mean, you've got to be very careful trading these things. These are like day trading you know, quick trades, that's it. Don't get stuck with them because when the dust settles, these things typically end up going lower. 
You might be getting lifted on some offers here. We're just creeping up. Nothing, nothing major, but uh, coming up on the highs of the pre-market session that comes in that is fifty-four seventy-five. Yeah. Uh, Triple D. I just want to, um, you know, just your call. Good call yesterday. Um, you were, you know, I know you separate the portfolios and. And it's funny that you mentioned that you added something to your long-term portfolio because you mentioned it on the, the pre-pre-market show because I was thinking of texting you and saying, Dennis, you, you talked bullish today, right, mm-hmm. in in the interim, but, you know, you're still, you know, you're still on the sidelines a lot. But you did make a, you did make a move yesterday, put a little bit of cash to work. So you yeah. want to talk about uh, On that? the long term, so this is obviously not trade, so I can freely talk these two, two long-term investments that I just put in. And I just want to increase my drug exposure. I've been talking about pullbacks and drugs. Obviously, some of them like Merck haven't pulled back very far, but I felt like Pfizer's pullback here was enough that, you know what, P is like 11. It's got the little dividend 3.44. Um, I'm, I'm definitely fighting the tape because it's now broken here, but I always have been kind of a contrarian investor and a momentum trader, if that makes any sense. But, you know, maybe I should be a momentum investor too, but I feel like I've always done fairly well. Like my original purchase of Merck in my long-term portfolio was when the stock went down from 60 to 30, the stock had a 7% dividend. And I was like, you know, if I hold on this Merck long enough, I'm going to make some money. It ended up being one of my best long-term investments. Lily was the same thing. The stock was in the gutter. I bought it like, I don't know, 12 years ago. And the stock had been almost cut in half. The dividend was up to 9% on it. Um, I don't even remember what the reasoning was that they were punishing it back then, but they were. And it ended up being one of my best long-term investments as well. So, you know, I look when, the, when you know, the stock's in trouble. I find good companies at reasonable valuations. That's how I try to invest. I don't care so much about the technicals. I will try to time it. I don't want to buy a stock just ripping higher because I don't like to chase. I like to buy them when they're pulling back. So I still think we're going to be in an environment where the drug stocks do pretty well. So trying to increase my drug exposure. You know I bought some GSK a while ago. Um, I've had that OGN, which is a small one, but P is like seven on it. That's been a really good one. GSK is kind of right where I bought it. I think I'm down a buck in it. So it's been holding up okay. Um, I bought Pfizer and Bristol-Myers yesterday. So I went after BMY too. Um, did the one I did the Pfizer in the morning and the Bristol Myers in the afternoon. Uh, I'm about I'm down slightly in the Pfizer. I think down thirty cents. I bought around forty eight. That second position. I've been in Pfizer for a long time. I wanted to re add some more to it. I'd sold it a couple, so I wanted to get back in some. And then Bristol Myers. Um, I haven't been in Bristol Myers in the long term portfolio. I don't think ever. I've talked about it for a long time. Chart doesn't look great. Momentum traders would say why. I would say, well, you know, from a valuation perspective, yep. doesn't look that bad. I mean, 3.19% dividend. What's the P on Bristol-Myers? I looked up yesterday, Mitch. I think it's like 12 right in there. Wheelhouse 11 or 12. Fair, fairly cheap. And then you mentioned that. And I sold CSIQ. Oh, see, oh yeah, Canadian yeah. solar, huh? Yeah, I had I had Where sold some at? of it. Ooh. We actually got that. It was a tough why, call. Why from, get rid uh, of it now? What's that? Why get rid of it now? Well, the stock went up 35% in three days. So I'm like, that seems like a pretty substantial move, and I don't want to be around for the rug pull. So this is when the momentum traders get in. They're like, I get in when the getting's good. I get in, you know, sell your peanuts while the circus is in town. My stock goes up 30% in three days. I'm like, circus is in town. We've been in a very tough trading environment here. We're still in a bear market. I'm like, I'll ring the register and move on on this one. So I sold my CSIQ. 
it actually ended up being a slight loser for me because we bought this and this was a tough call from um who was on the show craig johnson craig Craig johnson Johnson. yeah he came on the show and i like craig he makes some pretty good calls and it looked like the momentum was with it then and i bought this around 40 bucks um back in september when he was on the show and it went straight down should have waited for joel and i like straight down we said so 35. it's come back again. Yeah, maybe it's heard a loss aversion. I like I said, I had sold some at 35, so I actually had eaten some of the, eaten some of the loss. So I just got rid of the rest of it um, on this pop. I do think solar is still good long term. It's just a big move, really fast. And I think if I was to go on another solar stock, I might just go into like the tan or something or one of the big dogs because some of these smaller solar plays are tough. And then uh, before we uh, we move on, uh, you mentioned uh, Baxter. Uh, I kind of like this one. I'm thinking about yeah, like, like, people uh, look at this and they'll say, "Oh my god, why? What? <laughs> why would you want to buy a chart like this? You know, John, like a <laughs> you're pulling so, a so, Kathy move on me, bro. You, well, you know why? Again, I'm I'm the contrarian investor, and he's starting to get to a reasonable, you and reasonable valuation here. We're really moving. We're moving a little bit on the S and P's and getting picked off on some stuff, but we're. I, I'm a contra investor. So I haven't bought Baxter yet, but I was looking at this and thinking, ah, it's been really beat up. Wow. You know, medical device company. Medtronic, too, is another one I was looking at as well. Med- medical devices. I mean, we still have an aging population. I don't think medical devices are going away. Um, I haven't done enough research on Baxter yet. I was like, I need to research that one further to, to really understand why it's been hit so hard. So I don't want to jump, you know, the gun and just buy something. Like, I know Pfizer. You know the story of Pfizer. You know the story with Bristol-Myers. I don't follow Baxter Medtronic enough to really know why they've been hit this hard. So I want to do a little bit more research. But they're in my radar. I just ran a screen. I ran a screen yesterday for drug stocks and healthcare companies that had PEs under 13. And then I was looking at what was in it. You know, what, you know, look good. Pfizer jumps right out right away. P is like 10. And then Bristol Myers on there too. And I'm like, I like both those companies. So I've had a lot of cash. I want to put a little bit more of the cash to work. I do think we're going into recession. I do think drug stocks hold up better. I'm like, I'm not chasing Merck. I'm not chasing Lilly at this point in time because they've run too far. What has come back, you know, down substantially from the highs? Well, Pfizer was $62. Picking up at 48 sounds like, you know, not bad. And Bristol Myers down from 81 to 71. I felt like that's, you know, reasonable too. I want to know why the Baxter... I don't want to know why. I know. We, I, down more. We, the chat knows. Let me know as yeah, well. Yeah, that's interesting. I keep doing BA. But you're down like six, seven year lows here on Baxter. This is a company yeah. that's been around for a long time, Joe. You can remember trading this probably. Yeah, back in the bright it was days. fun. This yeah. isn't like, you know, just a little startup. It's been around for a long time. So the question is, well, obviously the question is always is, is it going to go higher or not? But I mean, the momentum is clearly to the downside. So I, for some of, reason, I think it was an, maybe it was an acquisition that went awry. I, I'm not sure, but uh, let's do some research on that. That's a fun one. Uh, SPs just uh, just walking their way up here. Nothing, nothing, you know, no big blast, but trading at the highs of the pre market session. Uh, 5470, uh, 54.75 is a high. Uh, I'm going to repeat that high on Monday, 73 and a quarter. That's really the only thing you have in there uh, as far as daily levels go. So we will we'll keep an eye on that. I Money bought one ma- other stock oh. in the long-term investment portfolio, too, that I thought about for a long time. I even talked about it on the show before. I bought Albertsons. So obviously, it's getting the merger with Kroger. There's a lot of heat. They don't know if they can even pay their – they were supposed to pay a $6 special dividend they, or $4 special dividend. They don't know if they're going to pay that. The Kroger merger is still in jeopardy here. 
But I look at this and I think, hey, e even without Kroger, ACI is pretty ACI. good to hear as a standalone ACI. company. I mean, the P on ACI, I think, is seven. This is a grocer, grocery store, Albertsons. It has went bankrupt before, so I have to be careful somewhat of that. But, I mean, it's come down to right where this is where it was before the merger was even announced, Joel. Yeah, I can see the pop. Yeah, right? you can see the pop back, you know, in last year. So, I mean, I don't know. It's come down so far. There's got a special dividend on the table. They're trying to pay, I think it's a 4 or $5 special dividend. But there's right now it's been blocked because antitrust is looking at this merger and they don't want to allow, you know, the dividend to be paid if they're not going to allow the merger and all this other stuff. But I'm just looking down here and saying, hey, even if they don't allow the merger. If they do allow the merger, I think the thing's going to pop to $30. If they don't allow the merger, I think it's still worth 21 bucks. So I look at this and I'm kind of playing the Warren Buffett ATVI activism where he likes ATVI even at this price, even if the merger doesn't go through. But I like this one better than ATVI because I think there's more upside here. I don't think there's a lot of downside. I think if the merger gets blocked, they'll get hit initially off the algos. But I think they might even buy it back because at $21, ACI is just a reasonable valuation. So we got the CFA hat on here this morning. We did a little bit of investing. <laughs> we put some of that hardcore, that all that cash to work. And very, fun. very conservative investments. Grocery stores and drugs. So you can see <laughs> I'm still battening down the hatches for a recession. And maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but at this point in time, I feel more comfortable in that than I do in a lot of other things. Long consolidation period uh, uh, since the merger was announced between institutions. They just, all, all they wanted, it could buy at 2050 and under. Little top of the trading range here, 2150. Uh, of course, you know, the, whatever way that, you know, the merger talks go. Uh, Mitch mentioned Kroger. That chart looks okay. That's been a pretty much trading range stock. Uh, really, it seems like it's been 44 to 50. And for quite some time, a little bit lower there in October. You know who's been real quiet? Warren. He hasn't been. He's he, going to buy something eventually, and whatever he buys is really going to go because they're probably waiting for Warren to, to give a vote of confidence to something. And he has. He has been so quiet. It's almost eerily quiet. So somewhat scary, but Warren. Well, We'll wait and find out to see if Warren takes some more. Maybe it's Oxim, maybe it's Para, maybe it's TSM. Some of his re recent purchases. We'll have to just keep an eye on it, right? Oh, I just want to mention this Para. Have you seen like Para and Warner uh, Brothers? And, yeah, and what? Back did right you now. see these? This again, Warner these Brothers. PEs. It's the low PE trade again here too, Joel. Uh -huh. um, these all PEs. Remember, I bought the Para and then I got spooked out of it. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> I, 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 again, the, if you hit the screens, these all pop up in the low PE. So I mean, the have low a great PE year. is still on. And some of these are beat up low PE names. So that's what I'm kind of doing. Like, look at the, you know, one, a lot of the low, low PE names have been running, you know, for the last three months. But some of them have been beat up. And some of these actually are okay, viable businesses here. I don't think Para is going out of business. So what's the, what's the PE on Para? Under 10, I think. Yeah, it's under 10. I, under I 10. These I stocks mean, have been sneaky. They've they been have. sneaky. Yeah. You got the low PE trade that is still hot. And the ones that have been beat up are the ones that are coming back right now. What else? Yeah, lots I to do? think about here. Lots of balls to juggle. Lots to and think about. And you know what? You know who else has been on the comeback trail? Look at this Comcast. Low uh, PE. <laughs> What's the like PE a... on Comcast? It's probably 15. Comcast. I got it. Right you got to have the PE button. 
We got to create this the PE button <laughs> boom because that's all I talk about now is PEs. It's so funny how this world has changed. Now we just talk about PEs. Hit the PE button. Not this... your interest? No. No, but uh... Although that's working today. That's working today. <laughs> you got to get rid of this seller at 38 here. Man, that was a stickly point in late August. Came up there again in December. Now you're bumping up again. Getting a running start with a close at 37.88. So it's got to get the momentum. Got to get the sellers out there. And the old dog, I think, T AT&T, same thing since the 23. You look at the 23 here, right, to start the year. Uh, that's had a nice start. Uh, you don't uh, want Did that one go ex-dividend? Already? Uh, was it today? I I don't. Know. I just want to make sure before, like you know, Which we get too far away from that. And then just uh, going to me media and entertainment, uh, Dennis. I know you're not in it anymore, but uh, did you yeah. see Netflix yesterday? The Netflix right back up to the high mm -hmm. of the move, right? This was a low PE trade mm -hmm. when I bought it the first time. It wasn't, but when I bought it the second time, it absolutely was. When I bought this at 175, bought my wife's uh, RSP when I did the triple down on it. Um, I was just like, this thing's trading 16 times. Was I'm it like, really? there's still growth here. This this company is not going out of business. And that was a no-brainer. But the thing's doubled since then. So the P is back up to 30. So I'm like, well, that's why I sold it. It was no other reason than this multiple expansion. I mean, company hasn't grown earnings really since then. So it's just literally all multiple expansion in a multiple contraction environment. And I just feel like it's gone too far. Now, again, the momentum traders love this stuff. But, you know, that was a tr that was an investment. So, again, like I've said before, I'm a CFA when I'm investing. I'm looking, you know, what's reasonable valuation and what, you know, um, I'm, and obviously you know, that's a main metric, but, you know, I'm, I, I don't care about momentum. I'll buy, you know, when the, when they're, if there's, you know, a lot of, you know, all these stuff I bought yesterday, these aren't momentum trades. They don't even look good on the charts, but I feel like they're reasonable valuations and I feel like eventually that stuff turns. Do I don't know. We... I don't, to time the turns nearly impossible though. I don't want to open up a whole can of worms here, but I will. Do you think that? <laughs> All right. No, no, I just, just with the PE thing. I mean, and I, I know, do you think with, there's like maybe being a little bit of a, of a reset, like for the, like you, you talk about 12 and 15 and, you know, and that was acceptable and that those have been major yep. journey points in the market. It seems to me right now, and, with the rally that they're having that just, there's like a little bit of a reset going on where they're like 12 and 15, like we're holding out for Apple to get down to that level. It seems like there's been a little bit of a reset where, and and it, it shouldn't be with higher interest rates, but it seems like the, the streets just, taking on a little the step up a little bit higher maybe after those you know years of just crazy valuations and things where things were off the charts 200 250 a thousand you know maybe maybe there's a reset going on where that 15 to 20 area is the new 10 to 15 area oh i think so i think so for sure um, and that's why it's very dangerous to be paying 24 times earnings for a Microsoft. It's very dangerous to be paying some of these. And you're seeing the people who, you know, aren't respecting PEs actually end up, it seems like getting punished here in the end. So there is a reset because, you know, you've got to, those P, average PEs should come down when interest rates are going higher because all PE is a derivative of, of the time value of money when it comes to it, you know, price to earnings. And obviously some of these companies have debt. So they're going to be paying out more yeah, interest yep. in, you know, interest payments, which we don't even consider. Look at your companies and look at, you know, your PEs, but also look at how much debt they have. Because some of that serviceable debt 
that interest payments on that is going to be going higher if it hasn't already. You know, maybe they're in some fixed, you know, debt, but some of them will be in some variable. Some eventually will be in some variable. Some will have floating. So, I mean, you've got to consider all those factors. But, you know, in this environment, debt-free is a little bit better, too, because of the higher interest rates. But, yeah, when you raise interest rates, other things being equal, PEs should contract. And that is what we have seen happen. Now, again, if we're at the end of the cycle, does that mean PEs can expand from here? I'm not sure they've contracted enough on some of this stuff. So obviously, you know, I'm still in the camp that we're going into a recession. But, you know, short term, bulls, you know, just like I was saying yesterday on the show, I mean, you can be short term bullish and long term bearish. It's okay. And that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. I think the CPI is going to be okay. I thought yesterday's dip was an opportunity to, to, to buy, which I did do some buying, you know, even, you know, as some swing trades, which I didn't talk about in the swing trades. But I'm a little bit leaning long right now in, in the swing trading portfolio. Because I was like looking and thinking they might run this ahead of the CPI, which is what they've been doing. You know, we're up about 50 handles here, getting the losses back from yesterday. So it was a good opportunity to buy the dip yesterday. But, I mean, PEs overall should contract if interest rates are staying high. Okay, Mitch, we'll let you uh, right, be part of the show here. No, I'm just, I'm, we're going back to the headlines here. Let's get back to it. Sure. Uh, FAAA is saying here. The planes are not clear for takeoff as the FAA <laughs> is ordering airlines to pause departures until 9 a.m. Eastern. What's now it's 930. I don't know. Now it's 930. Well, there you guys have what it. Happened? Not clear for takeoff here. I heard this. What happened? Like, what? why? The system's crashed. We're running on Windows 97, Dennis. It's okay. It happens <laughs> to the best of us. Uh, but, yeah, that's what happened there. It looks like there's a system crash, system-wide so maybe it wasn't all Southwest's fault, right? Who knows? Maybe it was the system's fault. Who knows? Just putting out the rumors out there. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But Joel and I were talking about these stocks just Look yesterday. Look at these things. Too. On at the close, they looked great. Look at then. And then comes another tape bomb. Well, here here is the problem. The airlines, you know, and that and that is this is a tape bomb. This is a temporary tape bomb. They're going to fix yeah. this out. So I'm not that yeah. concerned about it. But they're starting to move. I mean, again, if you're just looking for lower PEs, they do have lower PEs now. Most of these things are making money now, and they've been beat right up. And obviously, you know, it seems like people are still traveling. Everybody tells me everybody's traveling here. I do think there's going to be a second, you know, a part of this, you know, I think coming, that people are going to be cutting back on the traveling because I think they're broke. They're going to end up being broke. But right now, people are traveling still. So, and these are lower PE names. Again, it's very consistent. You can see what sustained, you know, bids are happening here. And it's in lower PE stuff. I mean, Delta's had a pretty good move. Full disclosure, I do have position in that. Um, LUV has been beat up because of all the other stuff. It's getting downgraded here today. But at this point in time, you know, it's come back from, you know, their little debacle there too. Um, AAL has come a long ways back here. Yeah. 1250 to 15. The airlines are flying right now. On pullbacks here, they probably continue to get bought until we start showing signs that you know travel is slowing, which we have not seen any signs of that yet. I think it's going to happen. But at this point in time, we don't see any signs really of travel slowing down. We need that moment when uh, back during COVID, when, what was that, uh, that auto, that tanker stock? Um, it was an NATT or whatever. NAT, like, remember that? I was like, uh, it Where's couldn't be any better than this. But the, the CEO <laughs> on CNBC, he's like, we're naked it in, he says. <laughs> right so here. About pumping. That was the very top on the stock. <laughs> that was right here. 
Yeah, that was right there. He's on CNBC on Mad Money saying, we're raking it in. I've never seen somebody say that. We're raking it in. (laughs) That was the best interview ever on Mad Money. It's so funny. But I was like, wow, talk about pumping your stock. We're raking it in was his word. Yeah, Yeah. because everyone, because no one was doing anything. And, you know, you needed needed storage. You needed storage. The oil was going negative, and they were storing all the oil in the tankers. Like, we'll buy negative oil. Oil. We got some tankers. We'll bring that in. Come on, come to Papa. We'll bring it in. We remember me and Jason Rastic were emptying our swimming pools and we were going to put oil in there just to buy negative oil. He got the tankers. That was the business back then. Negative oil. NAT does really well. <laughs> yeah, look at that. That was that was back. Wow, it's coming up on three years on that. But uh, Mitch, we got uh, two minutes before we bring in Mish Schneider from uh, from Market Gauge. So, uh, do you want to do uh, another issue? Uh, I know we got a lot of rating stocks to cover. Um, let's do Coinbase. What 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 a day in Coinbase oh, yesterday, and then. Uh, and then Bank America comes out and says, no, 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 not so fast, Mitch. Give us the news. Bank of America downgrading Coinbase to underperform from neutral. So, uh, yeah, it's still going to be a battle here. I, I, don't, I don't know how someone would say that Coinbase is going to have a good 2023. I don't know how you can even look at like the mirror and say that. Because it doesn't seem like crypto is changing anytime soon. And if anything... It's going to take a long time to bring some trust back into the system where investors are saying, yeah, I want to go buying Bitcoin. I want to go buying Ethereum. At least that's what I would think. Biggest issue with these stocks um, right now is that some of these have a high short interest. So you got to be careful on a Coinbase. I don't have a position on it. But, you know, just to Karen Feinerman's point yesterday, Bed Bath & Beyond, even though, you know, the company's struggling from a fundamental basis, Right now, some of them are buying some of this stuff, you know, and really the January effect turned the stock right around. We were talking the January effect where some of the leaders become the laggards and the laggards become the leaders. I mean, um, the laggard here was Coinbase. It closed near its lows. Did you? you Yep. Almost on its lows, basically, coming into the year. And it's been straight up since the calendar turn. A lot of times, all these things need is a calendar turn. And it's been a tough January effect. Because some of the stocks, you know, got, you know, a little rally and then they beat them up a little bit for a couple of days and then they're coming back. So it's been a little bit of a tricky January effect. Yep. But what I will say is the January effect is clearly still pronounced here. ARKK has turned around here too since the closing basically on the lows to start the, to start the year. Um, like we said, Coinbase too, you know, it did dip down and make a new low on undercut and rally trick here. Not by but much. But overall, not by much. You know, Upstart, you know, you can go to all these beat up names, Upwork, if you want, UPWK, $10 to eleven fifty. January effect, which we've predicted on this show, has clearly, clearly Sneaky worked. Though. Just yeah. not been an easy one because it's been a lot of chop in there. But you can clearly see at this point in time, 11 days into January, the laggards from last year have been some of the leaders this year. And uh, the uh, I was looking at the Coinbase, and the, it made that new all-time low on on Friday when the market was ripping. I don't know, just maybe someone just puked it out, but it went down under thirty-one, and now it's had like basically a thirty percent move. So we'll see what uh, that downgrade does uh, in it today. But uh, surprising move for uh, for Coinbase yesterday. It wasn't down that much, and we were talking about if it went above unchanged, and it, it did that. 
did that in a hurry. Actually, most of the action was in the first 10 minutes where they, they jammed that thing up to 42. But uh, let's see. Let's see if uh, Bank America uh, can send the stock back down after a nice rally yesterday. I mean, Tesla, too. We're going to get Misha in a second, though. But, you know, Tesla is another example as well. Good from the chat. Started the year down, you know, 104, 105. Cutter cut looked like it was going to take out the 100. I thought it was going to go under 100 when it went down, went down to 101. Why not? Nope, nope, nope. And then coming back here. So, again, January effect having a play here. Are we going to grab Mish? Yeah, we're going to grab Mish. That, that Tesla trade was a little bit of a hard one, especially after. Oh, really hard. They were all hard. I, I, don't, I don't think there was many traders that stuck around after that one. No, they were all really, really tough. But so, let's get into it. Let's get out agree. of Tesla. We'll bring the charts down. Let's go to our guest today. All right, we got Mish Schneider, Managing Director of Market Gauge. Let's get into it. Joel, take control. Uh, how'd you like that introduction, Mish? Fantastic. Thank you. I love the music. You got me going here. All right. All the bells all right. and whistles. We're trying to compete with CNBC. We got to get the bells and whistles. We, had, we always had the content because we got people like Mish. But we, we need the bells and whistles to, complete, to compete Absolutely. with Absolutely. Absolutely. You need the infrastructure, something the airlines haven't figured out yet. Yeah, yeah. I hope you don't have any flights planned for today. Well, uh, 2023, I guess it's not off to like a real bad start, right? Uh, kind of delayed January effect, but yeah, you uh, you put together your outlook uh, for 2023. And Mitch, I sent that over to you. Can, uh, can you bring it up? Because um, I like the picture of the rabbit on there. So... Give us a little a little clue here before you go into some of the details. A cute little rabbit there that you have on the cover. Uh, what's that going to be symbolic of? Well, as you know, January 22nd is the Chinese New Year, and it's the year of the yin water rabbit. And so there's been a lot of speculation because rabbits are docile creatures that we're going to see a much more peaceful year. And in some essences, that could be true, maybe more on a social aspect. But in terms of the economic standpoint, the rabbit and the year of the yin water rabbit is not been seen since 1963, which is so interesting because 1963, we had the Kennedy assassination. We had the Beatles emerge. We had fashion completely change from the very conservative staunch 50s into the start of the mod 60s. Um, and the economy was not really doing all that well. Uh, we had a lot of volatility in the stock market, obviously, considering we led to an assassination and there was the aversion of the Cuban Missile Strike. And it was also the start of the Vietnam War. So if we look now at and say, well, if just looking at it from a pure and of course, you know, people would think this is kind of woo woo, but from a pure astrological situation, um, I like to look at the Chinese New Year's every year and the animals and the elements because I always say, you know, two billion people, they all feel collectively the same way that it can move things. And so the prediction this year is for still more trouble in the stock market because water energy is not good. But on the same side of the coin, there are certain areas that can do very, very well this year. And they're looking at things like beauty and some of certainly some of those stocks like Estee Lauder and Alter and Cody have done well. Music, uh, we'll see what happens here with some of the music uh, type of stocks like Spotify made a nice move over the last few days. 
banks could possibly do well. And we're seeing JP Morgan, obviously, earnings yeah. really yeah. well. So, you know, metals are something. And um, so essentially, I'm taking this information with a little bit of a grain of salt. I more had fun with the metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. Hat, right. Going down the rabbit hole. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's something I have followed this guy, Raymond Lowe, who is a very famous Chinese astrologer. Uh, I've been he's an older gentleman now. I've been following him for years and he's been pretty good in terms of his analysis and what he sees in his own way of doing uh, the, the charts for the new years. Well, so far, I mean, if you're talking, I mean, uh, the we've been talking about uh, some of the Chinese stocks, Bob on the rebound, uh, K-Web, uh, I mean, that's moved up, totally di uh, different looking charts. But uh, you're going to talk about some other ways to grow your wealth here in 2023. So you gave us, uh, you know, you gave us that information. What other top top trends or themes are you looking at? Well, for me, and I heard so you talk about this a little bit before I came on, is I'm not buying this inflation is over thing. I just, the three themes of my whole outlook is A, expect chaos. And when I say chaos, I mean geopolitics. Yeah, maybe Ukraine and Russian war subsides. But there are, in case people haven't noticed, there have been little coup attempts around the world, even with Brazil over the weekend and in Peru. Uh, even Germany had one last year. And uh, there's just more social unrest emerging as a result of uh, populism and anti-globalism. All these things that have been put into place are, are one factor that we have to keep in our heads, North Korea being another one. Uh, and so I think, and then even in this country, there's been a lot of social unrest sort of under the radar. So I think that those things can be chaotic potentially going forward. I think obviously weather is already chaotic. I don't see any reason with La Nina for that to end anytime soon. And that could create havoc on energy and food prices. And then I also think that we're trying to fit, you know, I say like a, a square peg into a round hole in terms of how we're looking at everything, our definitions, right? Recession. Well, are we really in a recession when we have an unemployment number of three and a half percent? Housing. Well, it's crashing from the peak. But does that mean that it's going to go into like a 2008 tailspin? No, there's still high demand. There's still shortages and a five to seven to eight percent interest rate is something that we had for many years. It's actually kind of typical until we went into the crazy accommodative place where we went to our rates down to 2-3% for a mortgage. So I think that um, this is going to be a very interesting year. I don't see a major crash. Of course, there's a potential, but I see more of a trading range. And I'm really, really, really hot on the metals right now. Industrial metals, but precious metals. I love gold, someone gold, would say. Yeah. What about the gold stocks? What do you think about that move? Well, I, I'm certainly not surprised. We've been long in and out of the gold for a long time now, and now we've just been in the gold with a steady core position since September of last year. Uh, our blended models are long GDX and SLV, uh, a couple of the gold stocks, and, you know, just pure play GLD. So I listen to all this talk about the stocks and the earnings and the this and the that. And I'm like, if you just keep your eye on the ball of the metals and then keep your eye on, you know, we love to talk about sugar 
as an indication of what's going to happen with food prices, even though we've seen things come down a little bit. And you keep your eye on energy and oil and coal, more than natural gas, that seems to be done. I think you're going to see all of this be the, the, still the top places to be in terms of your money and have fun with the stocks, but be very agile as you're talking about with this January effect. So let's talk about the retail investor, right? If, uh, you know, if you just go back over the last couple of years, uh, you know, the environments that we had 2021, 20, pretty good years, 22, if you didn't sell, it was a rough year. Uh, and I know we have people of different ages, but, but just talk about like the long-term investing for the retail investor and what, what the opportunities there are in 2023. Well, for one, I think and hope that the retail investor has gotten a little bit of a clue about money management and risk management. And if that's the case, then obviously we're going to see these sort of trading ranges in this chop where the market starts to sell off when it looks like it's about to break out and vice versa when it looks like it's about to break down. Because these there are retail investors that have gotten smarter and that are taking advantage of these sort of extremes in RSIs, if you will. In terms of the retail investor for people who have portfolios in IRAs, in uh, other type of retirement accounts, 401s, they've taken a big hit. They've taken 20, 30, 40% hits, and they have been told all along to buy the dip and that things are in value and inflation has peaked and the Fed's going to pivot. And they're coming into this year buying again. That's what we're seeing with no volatility, which is interesting to me, very interesting to me as a natural contrarian. So I think that if you are in your 30s or 40s and you've taken that big hit in retirement accounts and you want to put money into it and you can afford to wait five to 10 years before you start to see returns, fine. But if you're an older person and you didn't do something more conservative last year, I think you may be encouraged on how the years start and then get very disappointed as this year continues when it's the realization is the central banks don't really have control over the situation. All right. Now I want to come in here. Of course, we've been focusing often last year on monetary policy, but what about fiscal policy? What do we have there to be looking for in investments? Well, first of all, thank you. It looks like you actually read my report because I cover all of this. So thank you so much, guys, for supporting me that way. Um, well, yeah, government spending and not just in the United States is an issue globally right now. When I say an issue, these sovereigns have absolutely no choice but to spend money and throw money at their economies to keep them afloat. And a lot of them have had hawkish talk and have completely pivoted, like Japan. Classic example, if you recall at the end of last year, they started tightening and they've completely changed on that. China's done more easing as well. And even the ECB is talking about, yeah, yeah, we're gonna raise rates. And now they're saying, okay, well, maybe not so much. So it's really going to be a matter of what's happening, what the governments have to do to make up for the banks. And here in the United States, we are spending a lot of money with more money spending on the table. And people have gotten used to some type of stimulus that has gone on since before COVID. Now we're talking again about the student loans. And this is not to be political or even to be judgmental. It's just another fact. Of the, of the that with anti-globalization, it puts countries in a situation where they have to spend more money to su support and shore up their own economies. 
in a situation where we still have supply chain energy problems, and now obviously still the potential of food problems, as we're seeing with sugar going up again, that's all inflationary. And that is not good ultimately for equities. All right. Now, always we think about, you know, what do we go after first? It's been usually the bonds that bottom first. So is it time for bonds, Mish? Well, this is the most interesting part of the market to me right now, because long bonds have already bottomed. They started bottoming them in December. So you get the 20 plus year long bonds. And I think they were trading up before the market. I haven't looked in the last few minutes, mm -hmm. but it's showing stress. Some people would say if the long bonds continue to go up and what that means is yields fall, TLTs rise. That's a sign of recession coming. Other people say it's a sign just of the strain in the market. If we look at the inversion, people said, oh, that's a definite to recession. There's your square peg round hole. That didn't happen. But if you look at the junk bonds, that's the thing that is fascinating me the most because yeah. it, they have rallied tremendously, which means bond traders are coming in buying high yield, high debt companies, which is not something you would think people would do in a risky environment. Mm. And that's why, regardless of what my macro theme is here, as I've put together with things possibly getting very hairy, particularly in the inflation, I still have to look at the micro and say, as long as junk bonds are happy, then gold can still go up and all these things can go up and they are. But that doesn't mean that the equities are going to depart. So keep your eye on those junk bonds. HYG went right up to the 200 yesterday. It may go through it and fail again, or it may go through it and hold, in which case, Maybe 4,100, 4,200 is not so crazy in the SPY before we reevaluate. You think this run into bonds is maybe indicative that maybe we're getting close to the end of the rate hike cycle and people are investors are trying to lock in these higher yields all of a sudden saying that, you know, because I, I, I'm, I'm torn because I think it could be a, a bad year for equities and a good year for bonds because you start looking and you think, wow, you know, some of these yields have come up to yields we haven't seen in a very long time. And, you know, if you can lock in these long term yields here, you know, maybe we, if we just to get, you know, even if it's, you know, I don't think we're going to soft landing, but let's just say it's a shallow recession. Bonds could still win here in that environment, don't you think, Mish? Absolutely, Dennis. That's a great observation. And that I think that is exactly what's going on. But the notion that that we're getting to the end of the rate hike cycle is exactly what scares me the most. Huh. Because you can't get to 7, 8, 9%, 10% in some places in the world inflation and expect it to resolve in six months. Yeah. Statistically, it could take years. Some people are yeah. saying six to 10 years based on the numbers. And again, we know the numbers have been not only stretched and changed, but also just in terms of how fast things happen. You know, we're in warp speed on everything. But getting back to your point, yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening, that bond traders are locking in at these high yields, and it could ultimately continue to be good for bonds. But if yields go down, then I'm really looking at, I, I really want to focus on where I want to focus this year and not worry so much about some of these equities that people are playing in uh, and, and looking for uh, you know, new highs. I don't see we're going to see new highs in Microsoft and Amazon and wow. Apple and all the growth stocks. And I don't even care. I hope they do for people's sake, for my own portfolio and for more, what our quants are telling us, stick to commodities, energy, some 
Pharmaceuticals are good. Interestingly enough, some streaming stocks we've got in there. Uh, our blend bought Moderna recently. Uh, I've been long Tiva in the discretionary account. Like, you know, I really want to stick more to a theme. And I think that people get into this idea, oh my God, if I'm not trading 25, 30, 35 stocks, I'm missing out. Hopefully you learned about FOMO in the last couple of years <laughs> and just, you know, have a plan. And that's kind of what I tried to put forth in this outlook. Who Who is going to behave the best in the modern family and who's going to behave the worst and then talk about the adolescent and then we'll let you go. Who might okay. not be there anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the modern family is so interesting because it's almost like you have a universe in two time frames. On the daily, the, the Russells cleared the 50. Um, it looks like the transportation cleared the 50. Um, you know, it, retail is, is, is looking better. But on terms of if you just look at the weekly charts, biotech definitely looks the best because biotech is trading above the 50 and the 200 week moving average. It's the only one. The next one after that would be probably transportation, although we'll see what happens today, given the story and the headline story this morning. But transportation is important because that's going to help determine how much things move in this country and what supply chain and trucking really looks like. That's the second best right now. We have to keep an eye on it. And if we and and, and Granny retail is trying to get back over the 200 week. The Russells are right there. I mean, they're all right there. They have such strong headwinds. The one that looks the worst is actually, to me, the regional banking, our prodigal son, mm. which go back to your theory, Dennis, on the rates. If the yield, if, if people are trying to lock in high yields and they're not going to necessarily borrow money at these levels, but lock in their CDs and things like that then it's possible what we're really seeing is the stress of the banking system more rurally in spite of the fact that you have wow. a JP Morgan doing really, really well. And that measures the pulse. I'm keeping a close eye on KRE for the next few weeks. Okay. Me Schneider, market gauge, giving us her 2023 outlook covering a lot of stocks mm -hmm. and a lot of sectors. It's great to hear your your cheery voice and uh, optimism and also some pessimism here. That's what the market's about. Uh, we'll get you on again real soon, Mish. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Joel. Definitely. Right. Well, that was a good interview. Lots there. to think about, for sure. I have sure. to say, top interview of the week. Other guests, I'm sorry, but top interview ah. of the week so far. Uh, but let's get back to the market. How are we doing right now, Joel? We're creeping. It's a creeper rally. Yeah. Uh, there's not much resistance in here. They're just lifting offers, lifting offers, trading at the highs of the pre-market session. Just a couple ticks off it. Uh, just focusing on 73 and a quarter. That's only 16 handles away. Uh, seeing green. I'm seeing your technology, you know, your mega cap tech yeah. stop going down, right? Went up for a, a day. Little. Yep. Yep. Um, and that's, you know, that's still just a big part of the market. I think, and obviously this is jockeying ahead of CPI tomorrow. I do think CPI is going to come in light. And I do think we might see a repeat where we get that initial spike. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, uh-oh, well, what's that mean? Okay, well, it's light, but does that mean we know a recession is coming sooner than we thought? You know, our recession possibilities are still here. So I think traders may want to be long or maybe at least want to be covered into this report i think we could see a light number i think we could see a spike i will be selling into that spike if it happens so i'm licking my chops hoping we could touch four thousand again i think there's the outside chance that we could 
Um, if we touch it today, if we, you know, even if ahead of the number for whatever reason, it gets silly to start buying, you know, and, and start buying us up like crazy. Um, you know, in any regard here, we start getting 4,000 again. I'm going to raise more cash yet. One thing I would say though, keep in mind, right? Mish Schneider had also in that report, we see the federal reserve as reactive, not proactive. This is where I think a lot of people get the fed twisted. They think they're more reactive I mean, to tell you the truth, they're going to take a long time to probably get to that pause of the rate. Um, estimates, definitely. Tomorrow, 6.5 is the estimate. Prior was 7.1. Are we going down 0.6? I feel like that's a big move down. They really, yeah, they really think we're dropping. So, I mean, Just we come in with another there. seven on it and we're in trouble. I don't think that's going to happen. Is six and a half attainable? Well, that's what they think. I think inflation has come in. I mean, I think we're slowing it down. I think eventually it's going to work. There's no doubt the Fed's plan is eventually going to work. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah. You know, there's no doubt they're going to if they continue to raise interest rates. I mean, eventually, it inevitably does throw us into a recession. I mean, you know, are we at the tipping point yet, though, or not? Can people stomach, you know, five percent, or do they have to go to six, or do they have to go to seven? I mean, to really get the inflation, if they really want to get back down to two. Um, take you know, good, good luck. <laughs> like Tamisha's point, you're going to be at this a long time. If you're trying to get back down to two, but you know, what could really, you know, they talk about a pivot, you know, later on, what could really change the pivot is if they accept three or if they accept four, you know, then that would change. And that would really, I said that. Spike yeah. Stocks. yeah that's... Now we're not close to any of that though. So we yeah. just, I'm just thinking down the road further. You know, how do we get back to all-time highs? It takes something like that to really get there because we're in this new environment here with higher rates and stuff is just not, stocks are just not relatively cheap to where they should be in a 5% environment. I think that that might be if they did for any reason stop at 4%, that would be stopping a little early, um, but we'll have to wait and find out, right? They've been clearly saying 2%, so we'll just have to see what the report gives us tomorrow. Okay, um, we'll start wrapping up here. 8.58, anything else you guys got? Of course, there was some uh, kind of ratings out there. Of course, keep an eye out, team. Uh, JP Morgan downgrading CarMax. A lot of ratings. Mm, I don't know how that one's going to go. Wells Fargo's biggest mortgage yeah. lender. No more doing mortgages. I don't know how bad that is for Wells Fargo's investors. There are just so kind of many ratings Again today. And January crazy. is typically one of the biggest months for ratings because people are getting their new for, you know, get out there, get, you know, my new year's target out there, get my new year's picks out there. So you very much see January has always been a ratings month and ratings can be a real driver. You got the home builders all upgraded today. A bunch of them. We're going to hear from KB homes. I believe tonight, full disclosure, I do have a position in KB homes. You know, I like to trade them ahead of reports. Um, and I will be selling that probably at the open. Um, but you know, you've got so many other ratings too. You know, there, CRM yeah. catching a downgrade here. I'm just kind of looking through them. LUV, a that's bunch. a Johnny come lately downgrade, I think, there, in my opinion. Uh, Goldman was busy last night, they had a bunch of ratings as well. A lot of ratings, right? And uh, they, they've been moving stocks. I mean, the, the one with the Coinbase is interesting, where you know, uh, the, the analysts going up against each other. So, all right, well, I'm going to get out of here with uh, the S&Ps up 15 and a half handles, 15 and three quarters handles, 56.50. Uh, reiterate that high uh, at 73 and a quarter. That was Monday's high. And the dailies just don't give you anything after that. 
I mean, you know, you can't you can't make resistance where there isn't resistance. You can see that high from Monday. Um, this spike high that we had here was off the December CPI number. And uh, it's alluding to what you said, Dennis. I mean, this low right here on this day, this is when we had the really bad CPI number, right? Can you point it out again? Uh, right here, the October yeah, just move low. it so because my eyes move the arrow. <laughs> okay. There you yeah, go. let me make it a little bit bigger here. Uh, this October spike low here was off the CPI number, right? Yeah. They pounded it. You and get it some spikes back. on these things. Yeah, you get some spikes and then, uh, you know, some uh, sudden reversals. But uh, mm. so far, uh, so good. Uh, great show. We covered a lot of stuff. And uh, I'm going to talk some retail stocks with uh, Tom Nickich. He is from Wedbush. And uh, he made some pretty good calls on Nike. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with him and uh, be back with you all later on. Everyone have a great day. Yeah, definitely. All right, team, don't miss it. Like always, we'll keep going here on Benzinga. Going to get Dennis Dick out of here. You guys can keep up with him. Of course, Triple D Trader. Give him a follow if you haven't done so already. Have a good one, Dennis. All right, we'll get you guys over now to live trading. That's coming up next. That starts at 9.05. Don't miss it. Of course, the boys ready to get back into the action. I had a decent day yesterday. A lot of that being what? patience 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 young grasshoppers especially in this market it's a tough one right a lot of movement out there yesterday i saw a little bit of some of that growth trade come on some could say january effect but definitely we saw some of those stocks moving we'll see if they can continue today will gme triple by get a little bit of a lift and i saw some people asking about of course hkd and maybe the kind of Solterra Health stock that was moving yesterday. Find out on all these types of stocks on live trading coming up next. And don't miss the book club. Team, we still have time. This weekend will be the first meeting where we'll decide the book that we will read the first kind of month. Um, it's really just going to be dependent on how far we push. We'll go ahead and take a nice meeting this weekend to talk all about what's going to happen in the financial book club. I threw up the link there for you guys to join. Don't miss it. If you guys want to keep building on your skills, this is going to be the place that I feel will give you the most value from Benzinga. Just because at the end of the day, we're going to be going through the experts, the books to try to get you guys the informational edge like always. Hit the thumbs up. Come on over to live trading. That's starting up now. We'll